good evening, CCF. Let's stand in the presence and welcome Jesus in. Father God, thank you for another Friday night, Father God. Thank you that the doors are open so that we can come and worship you, Father God. We can worship anywhere, Father God, but we're worshiping you tonight, Father God. We dedicate, Father God, the worship that is about to be sung, Father God. We worship the word. We dedicate the word that is going to be um, said to you, Father God. Father God, thank you for the blessings, Father God. Fill this place, Father God, with a sweet aroma, Father God. Thank you that you walk with the sinners, Father God. Thank you that you came to serve, Father God. Jesus, we thank you and we, and we worship you, Father God. In your holy name, Father God. Amen. worship you Jesus we praise you we thank you we glorify your mighty name tonight blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus the King of glory the Lord of Lords the Most High God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob we worship you tonight we give you glory we give you praise hallelujah thank you Jesus we thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence tonight hallelujah
that there is nothing too impossible for you to handle. Hallelujah. There are things that are totally impossible for us to take care of, but there's nothing that is impossible to you. Hallelujah, Jesus.
guys have the cutest faces on the planet. You are welcome. <laughs> Glory to God. Doesn't it feel good to be in church on a Friday night? Too many people don't know what they're missing out on right now. Mm. Julio, where we at? Who we got? Tithes and offering. Me? I'll do tithes and offering. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do tithes and offering, and I'm going to do tithes and offering right. Are you ready? Glory to God. I have prepared a 25-minute sermon on tithes and offering. You're going to sit here and listen to every bit of it. No, just joking. So here's where it's at. I'm not going to try to put a stranglehold on anybody's wallet. What you do with your money is your business and God's. Hallelujah. But we have a beautiful building here, right? And we do enjoy coming here. Fridays, Sundays, special events. We have many, many memorable things that go on here. And we got to pay for this building, right? I'm pretty sure nobody wants like 100 people sitting in their living room on a Sunday. So when we all collectively put in, we can do something beautiful, something marvelous, something that benefits generations. Amen? The truth of the matter is, this building is not the church. We are the church. Hallelujah. And when we put our stuff together, when we put our hands together, when we put our shoulders together, and we work together, and we invest together, we can do something that's marvelous. This building is really cool. It's marvelous. We had this service last Sunday where we had like so many people here and it was really cool. Think about how terrible it would be if we were sitting out in a park instead getting bit up by mosquitoes. And yeah, it might have been a little warm, but it's it's because bodies let off body heat, right? It's a glorious blessing to have our AC be overwhelmed because there's a lot of people here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we have to invest in a bigger AC. <laughs> in any case, if you enjoy something, you invest in it, don't you? Amen. In Jesus' name. Father God, please bless these tithes and offerings. Bless it. Multiply it. I pray, Father God, that you would give us the wisdom to use it strategically for your kingdom, to the benefit of your kingdom and your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you are at home, feel free to go to calvaryny.org. Take care of your tithes and offerings there. If you don't have it, well, bless the Lord. We pray that the Lord bless you with it. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Let's pull out an oldie but a goodie.
these adorable and gorgeous little children, the cutest kids on the planet. For all of you who stayed home, you are missing the coolest, coolest kids on the planet here. You are welcome. You guys put like a permanent smile on our faces. Glory to God. Welcome back to another Friday Night Live. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It feels so good to be in church on a Friday night. What'd you say? Hallelujah. We got some born again babies up in the house. You know, hallelujah is the highest praise you can give to God. Praise the living God. Before we get started tonight, I wanted to make mention, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many of us remember, Hector and Cynthia and Brandon Montalvo. They were coming here for a while, and um, I, I think they may be attending elsewhere, or they just may be attending online, um, probably exclusively for a while. This whole pandemic hit, and a lot of people kind of just do the home thing, and that's cool, too. Um, but Cynthia's um, dad has, uh, I think, passed away this week. And um, you know, she didn't ask me to, to kind of make it public and ask for prayer. But I think, I think, you know, we're the church. That's what church people do. We pray for one another in our times of trouble and distress and sorrow. Um, so let's just take a moment and pray for the uh, Montalvo family. Um, I wish I knew what Cynthia's maiden name was so that I could pray for her father's family also, but we will just cover them also. Master, we thank you, Lord God, for the Montalvo family. We thank you for the extraordinary and wonderful blessing um, that you have bestowed upon us and our family, having worshipped with them and received them um, uh, as our own family and, and uh, just knowing them and knowing their precious spirits and their incredible hearts. Um, Father God, they are uh, mourning the loss of Cynthia's dad this week. And uh, we just want to lift up that family and her father's family up to you. Lord God, we, we pray that you would bring peace in the midst of this storm. Um, we pray, Father God, also that you would bring comfort uh, as well as finance, Lord God. Uh, funerals are not cheap. Um, Lord God, I, I know that Cynthia is going to be traveling to Florida. Uh, she's going to be needing uh, a plane ticket. And uh, Lord, we have no idea what their situation is financially, but you do. Um, so Father God, I pray that you would bless them with the finance. I pray, Father God, that you would begin to place it on our hearts. I pray that you would begin to speak to us, um, to those of us who love them. Father God, if they are in need, I pray that you would help us to know and to reach out to them and to offer them what they need in this time of trouble. I pray, Father God, that you would use the church to gather around them, Lord God, and to be a, a strong tower around them, Lord God, to help keep them safe and, and to help keep the angels around them for the purpose of your peace and joy that you would reign and rule in this, even in this situation. Lord God, we know that even in difficult situations, it's an opportunity for you to bring heaven down to earth. Uh, Father God, an opportunity for you to bring souls 
back into the fold of your kingdom. So, Father God, we pray that you would anoint them, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would grant them peace and bless them, Lord God, with whatever it is that they need. Um, Lord God, in, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, I think she had mentioned that she had put together a GoFundMe page. I really don't know much about GoFundMe, but I'm guessing... Let me not guess. There's a possibility she sent me a link. Possibly. Is it on Facebook? What's her name on Facebook? Is it Cynthia Montalvo? Okay. Okay. So GoFundMe page on Facebook, Cynthia Montalvo. Um, if you can, help donate whatever you can, even if it's a couple of bucks, whatever it may be. Um, we, we know we, we heard the testimony of uh, Nate Medina a few weeks ago who testified how he too had to go to Florida. Was it Florida or Texas? Texas. He went to Texas and the church reached out um, and they helped him and it was such a blessing. And, uh, and so... Um, Morales. Say the first name again. Epifanio Morales. Epifanio Morales. It might be. Epifanio. Okay. That's a cool name. Actually, I think we have another Epifanio. Uh, um, Isabel and David's son. I think his middle name, Jorge, is uh, Epifanio also. In any case, pray for the Montalvo, Montalvo family, family. Pray for the Morales family. Um, just ask God to intervene on their behalf. No, we're wrong. Just, it's not posted. Okay. Cynthia, if you're watching, can you send Julio some information? If you're watching, she's, she's not. Okay. Well, maybe Sunday. Maybe Sunday we'll try to get some information out. Uh, glory to God again. Welcome back to another Friday Night Live. This month's theme, and for some reason, I keep, I, I'm, I'm, I'm continually the one to open the theme. Like somehow I'm like the first guy in the month, every month. It's kind of an honor. It's kind of cool. So I get to introduce it however I want, kind of set the tone for the month. <laughs> anyway, glory to God. Uh, this month is the book of Psalms. I have no idea how the other preachers are going to talk, um, what they're going to choose, how they're going to approach it. For me, tonight I'm going to talk about Psalm 119. Psalm 119, glory to God. If you have your Bible, and I realize most of them are digital now, <laughs> But if you have your Bible, pull it out. I actually brought this really cool Bible tonight. Psalm, 9, 1, Psalm, 9, Psalm, Psalm 119 is very interesting, very special. We're going to get into it a little bit tonight. As you turn to Psalm 119, we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to dive into your word tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak tonight. 
I pray, Father God, that you would bypass me. Uh, I pray, Father God, that you would see fit to use this finite, decrepit being, Lord God, to be able to explain um, an infinite and holy and amazing God. Uh, I pray that you would have your way tonight, Lord God. Uh, we are in awe of your presence and of your word, and I pray that you would show up tonight and illuminate our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Glory to God. Psalm 119. We're going to read verses 161 and 162. Psalm 119, 161, and 162. And yes, there are 161 verses in this chapter. In fact, I think it goes up to 176. Hallelujah. Somebody say, that's a lot. 161 says, Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I'm going to read it one more time. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Glory to God. The book of Psalms is an extraordinary book. There's 150, if I'm not mistaken, 150 Psalms. Everybody has like a favorite Psalm, right? People know, you know, the really popular ones. A lot of people's houses you go to, and uh, they'll have like this gigantic Bible with beautiful pictures in it from the Renaissance area, era, and the, the Bible will be open, right, to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right, we're all familiar with that. Um, uh, plant, he, he, uh, he who is, uh, I can't remember, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, uh, rivers of living water. I can't quote it because I'm a slacker, but popular one. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Very popular verses that we all know and love. Psalm 119 is very special. It literally sits smack dab in the middle of the entire book. And to test this out, before I got here tonight, I actually took the Bible and I got as close to the middle as I could possibly get. And it was literally on page 119. I did it again, right? As a matter of fact, the little pink ribbon is in the wrong place and I still made it to the right spot. It's literally in the middle of the book. And it has the most verses of all of the chapters of the entire Bible. 176 verses. The whole book, I'm sorry, the whole chapter, it's almost like a book, the whole chapter is all about one singular subject. One singular subject. 
It's broken up into 22 stanzas, right? Each one is set up like an acrostic, right? Everybody, everybody here did an acrostic in school, right? Where you would write uh, uh, an acrostic is like um, the church's mission is restore, right? R-E-S-T-O-R-E. And each letter of the word represents, right? So it's kind of set up that way, only it's not a word. It's literally every alphabet of the Hebrew, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, right? 22 stanzas for the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And if you have, a, if you have your Bible, or probably in your digital version, at the beginning of each stanza, you will literally see the name of each stanza. First one is Aleph. Second one is Beth. Third is Gimel. Fourth is Daleth. Those are the letters of the Hebrew um, alphabet. And each one is broken up into eight verses. So you have 22 stanzas, eight verses apiece, set up as an acronym, as a acronym I'm sorry, as an acrostic, all on one subject. Who knows what that subject is? It's the Word of God. It's all about the Word. The book of Psalms is written by a, a, a kind of a large group of people, right? We usually attribute a book to a person, right? So like Paul wrote Corinthians... Ephesians, uh, you know, he, he wrote the book of Matthew is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's named after. The book of Psalms is written by several people. Some of them are written by David, and it literally each one tells you who it was written by. You have David, you have Solomon, you have um, the chief musician whose name I can't remember at the moment. The book, uh, the Chapter 119 is a little different, though. Uh, Old Testament scholars believe that it was a, a, a chapter written by David. New te- uh, uh, old school scholars, rather, new school scholars, scholars that are probably in their 30s and younger, believe that it was written by the prophet Ezra or by Daniel, right? So either way, it's still the Word of God. It's written by a man of God. Um, I believe that it was either written by Daniel or Ezra, because usually the Psalms that are written by David are preceded by his name being at the top. Usually it's found there. In this instance, it's not so. Um, So again, you have 22 stanzas, eight verses apiece, set up according to the Hebrew alphabet. And every single one of them is a dedication to the Word, reflections on the excellencies of God's Word. Can I get an amen? All right. I know it's a little boring right now, but I'll, get, I'll, I'll, I'll gear it up a little bit. Stay with me. Somebody say, stay awake. Julio, bring us some coffee. How do we know that each and every stanza is about the Word? Well, the writer of it, literally mentions the Word of God in every single stanza. He uses different words to identify the Word of God, but nonetheless, he's talking about the Word. 
So the various ways that he describes the word, he uses the word law. There are eight different ways that he describes the word. One way he talks about it is the law. He refers to God's word as the law. We know that the law is usually referred to as the law of Moses. Uh, but the law is what God uses to reveal who he is and what his nature is, what God's standard is. Obviously, he uses the word word. He uses the word judgments. The word judgments used in the, in the Psalms is another way of saying God's word. He uses the word testimonies, the testimonies of God that he reads about is a reference to God's word. He uses the word commandments as a reference to God's words. He uses the word statutes, statutes as a reference to God's word. He uses the word precepts, right? Usually it's drawn from uh, the, the, the experience of an officer or, or an overseer, right? Uh, a person who's in authority, their precepts. It points to the particular instructions of the Lord. Glory to God. And so another way, he uses the word word in two different ways. The, the Hebrew word, one word that he uses is debar, and then the other Hebrew word is imra. Right, so imra means anything that God has spoken or commanded or promised. The Hebrew word debar. And then Imra refers to the idea of the spoken word of God, God's revealed word to man proceeding from his mouth and revealed to us directly by him. So what's very interesting, again, about this, the idea that it could have been written by Ezra or Daniel. Ezra and Daniel... Um, these were men of God that lived during the Babylonian empire that ruled over Israel. We know that Israel was conquered by the Babylonian empire, by the Persian empire, by the Greek empire, by the Roman empire, right? But that first one, the Babylonian empire, right? Remember the, the story about Nebuchadnezzar and the statue and Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind for a little while? Well, during that empire... Um, Daniel lived in Ezra. And so what we find is um, that these stanzas are their reflections on holding on to the word of God as people who were living in a place that was foreign to them. People who were captive in a foreign land, in a place where they did not belong. Right? Right? Um, they wrote it from the standpoint where they are in a place with people who look down on them, uh, people who see them as conquered slaves as opposed to kings and priests and truly the people of God. People who are conquered and used, all of their resources were taken. In fact, they were pulled out of their land. Daniel was actually one of the brightest people of the Israelites, and that's why he was selected and pulled away from his own people. Could you imagine being pulled away from your own family? Right? Daniel was a very young man during the Babylonian captivity when he was pulled out. By the time he was counseling the Persian king, 
he was a very old man. He was, I think, in his 70s. Could you imagine starting as a teenager, as a captive slave in a foreign land, and then finding yourself in your 60s and 70s living the same way? What hope do you have? If you know where you came from, and you know that you come from a people whose God had delivered you, right? Whose God is all-powerful, whose God is absolutely just amazing. And you know that, that, that you're a captive in a strange land. What hope do you have? Well, the writer of Psalm 119 is making a complete and total um, description of how his hope completely lies in the word of God. Can I get an amen? And I thought this was really interesting because if you're a Christian, if you're born again of the water and of the Spirit, if you are living in this world knowing that Jesus is your King, well, then you must also know that you are a citizen of the heavenly realm, right? We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And if you're a Christian living in this world, it doesn't take very long to realize that everywhere you go and everything that is available to you and everything that surrounds you, all of the environments that are around you, make you feel like you simply don't belong. Why? Because every time you pick this book up and you read it and you learn more about God and you read it and you learn more about who you are in Him and you learn more about who He truly is to you, you recognize and realize you simply don't belong here. And, and so Jesus changes your life so dramatically through his word and through his Holy Spirit that people that you used to hang out with, you simply don't feel comfortable hanging out with them anymore because they're doing stuff that you used to do that according to this word you shouldn't be doing. Because God law, God's law reveals who God is to you. I think James says <coughs> that God's word is the perfect law of liberty. Right? And that, that, that almost seems like it's a conflict. Law and liberty. Right? When you think of law, you don't necessarily think of freedom. You think of restriction, right? But James said, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, something has got to change. You can't look at your natural image in a mirror and see that something is wrong and walk away and leave it that way. And that's normal. That's not normal. Right? The book of this word of God, when we look into it, it ought to make us feel something. Can I get an amen? Why? Well, because God is not man. Because he is, because he and his attributes are so far apart from us and our attributes that we couldn't, we couldn't figure out God if we wanted to in a billion trillion years unless he gave us some kind of revelation of himself. Amen? And that's what his word is. Let's read a few passages from Psalm 119. Now, I know you're all thinking, man, Tony, we 
Tony be reading a lot of scripture. And there's 176 verses. I promise I'm not going to read all of them. <laughs> Glory to God. Like Ezra, like Daniel, we too are in a place that is not meant for us. And so what we need to do is find ourselves enthralled with the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. First of all, the word blessed there means happy. Right? The original word for blessed in Hebrew the simple translation is happy. Happy is the man who walks in the way of the Lord and in his law, right? Again, it seems like a contradiction. When you think law, you think restrictions. You think, oh, I can't do the things that I want. But when you're in love with God and you figure out who he is, you want to do the things that he expects of us. Because that's what truly brings, brings real joy, right? There's no real joy like serving God and feeling as if though every step that you take, he is right there with you. Tell me there's a better feeling than that. I spent a lot of time getting high in my early years, and not a single one of those times felt as good as walking with God. Amen. Happy. Happy, is, happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. It's interesting. There's this trend now. I'm going to get off subject for a moment. There's this trend where you see people that have these hats that say blessed on them, right? The, the, the rhinestones and, the, and the, the bling bling and the T-shirts. Sometimes you see them, I suppose, on social media. I don't go on very often, but when I do, uh, you know, I will often find people with their new possessions, right? Whether it be a new car or a new pair of sneakers like Nate. I mean, <laughs> wait, did I say that out loud? Uh, or, or, or perhaps some jewelry or, or just somewhere they went and they'll say blessed, right? And, and truly that's, that's kind of what makes them happy or they think that's what makes them happy, right? True happiness comes from relationship with God blessed. Verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word, uh, verse 11, very familiar. Uh, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Make no mistake, when you know the word of God, when you digest the word of God, right, your sin problems will start to kind of peel away. Amen? When you understand the Word of God, when you have a, a continued uh, um, diet of the Word of God, those things that you struggle with, you'll find they'll start to kind of melt away, right? A steady diet of God's Word will do that. Hallelujah. Why? Because it gets in your heart. Because things that your conscience would normally not feel bad about because it doesn't know God will be convicted 
because the word of God will come to light. It'll come to your memory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. 28, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. How many of us know that the the word of God gives us hope? How many of us know that the word of God can actually heal you? It can heal your spirit. It can heal your soul when you're in distress. Can I get an amen, somebody? The Word of God brings healing. The Word of God brings the ability to overcome sin. Hallelujah. Here's an interesting one, verse 71. Verse 71, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your, what's that word there? Statutes. How many people rejoice in being afflicted? Back to the book of James again. He said, um, rejoice when you find yourself in the midst of all of these trials and tribulations. Right? We don't want to go through bad stuff. Right? We don't want to go through afflictions. We don't want to go through painful things in life. But this is life. Jesus never guaranteed that life would be peaches and cream and perfect once we belong to him. No, exactly the opposite. He said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. No servant is greater than his master, he said. Glory to God. He said, in this world, you will have tribulations. We just went through a whole study of the book of Revelation where it talks about those who were slain because of, because of uh, their testimony of the Lamb of God. right? But they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We looked at the, at the book of Revelation. We, we read uh, a part of the chapter where it talked about those who were beheaded for their testimony of Christ. Does that sound like fun? No. But glory to God, they made it into the kingdom. Right? And this life is only this short when eternity goes on forever and ever. And I would much rather be in the presence of a mighty and loving God than in hell with demons. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the writer of Psalm 119 understood that the, the word of God was a, sa- a salvation for him, a saving grace. It brought hope. It brought, it brought healing to his soul. Um, verse 76 says, Let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort, uh, comfort according to your word to your servant. Glory to God. Verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation. This man is obsessed with the word of God. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. 
What does that mean, a wineskin in smoke? A wineskin, uh, a good wineskin, one that was old and used, um, was made from like a leather, from, made from leather. And what happens was after time it got old, and if you put it over smoke, over a hot place, it got dry and crackly and brittle. You ever hold a really old piece of leather and have it kind of break up in your hand? I have. It's kind of weird, but... And so he kind of describes how, um, how he feels like he has become like a wineskin in smoke, right? He's saying, when will you comfort me? Remember the perspective of this writer being in Babylon. You remember the story about the three Hebrew boys when they would not worship a false god? What did they do? They threw him into a burning furnace, into a giant oven to kill them. Daniel, they put him in a, in a den with a bunch of lions for the purpose. And now we, they had a good ending. Glory to God. They had a good ending because they were faithful to God. In the face of adversity, in the face of somebody saying, stop worshiping your God, Daniel opened his windows three times a day and still prayed. And he knew what the consequences would be. God honored his faithfulness. But look at where they were. Look at the challenges that they had to face. A den of lions. A fiery furnace. The writer says, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Right? When you have nothing else to hold on to, the word of God is a light, a beautiful, bright, and shining light that will bring you hope in the middle of your situation. As a Christian, there is coming a time, even in this country, where you will need this to bring you comfort. Can I get an amen? I know it's far-fetched from us in the U.S., but people in China, people in Africa, people in, in um, Iraq, who were persecuted for the cause of Christ, people in India, I, I remember reading not too long ago about people um, going to churches and finding Christians and throwing gasoline onto them and burning them alive just because they were going to church. Could you imagine being in that situation? What hope do you have when everybody in your environment is against you for believing in Christ? This was the hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The writer of Psalm 119, you can hear from his tone, he's obsessed with the Word. He's a fanatic about the Word because it's what he had. It's all that he had. Glory to God. And for us who are in this world, hallelujah, where the spirit of Antichrist is prevalent, where everything around us is against God, we have to hold on to his Word. Glory to God. Just a few more passages. Uh, 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Did you hear that? Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances. For all your... For, for all are your servants, unless your law had been my delight. I would then have perished in my affliction. 
I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. There's a reason this chapter is right in the middle of the book. God wants us to realize that we need his word. Glory to God. Listen to the desperation of the writer. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just a couple more. Uh, 155. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how when we were going through the book of Proverbs, and there was a clean, clear delineation between the righteous and the wicked, and we know the fate of the righteous those who trust in the word of God, those who apply the word of God, but we also know the fate of the wicked. We can read about what happens to them in the book of Revelation. Glory to God. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. How do we get from wicked to righteous? There's only one way. Jesus Christ, who is the revealed Word of God in flesh. This book, this is how we continue to walk righteously. Walk righteously. Glory to God. Matter of fact, Second um, Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine." Everybody say doctrine. For reproof, everybody say reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. Right? That's what the Word of God is for. That's what we need it for. That's how we stay righteous. Getting righteous is easy because it's not our own. Right? Jesus died on the cross, He was the sacrifice for our sin, He took on our sin. His righteousness was applied to our lives. We are then made righteous through the sacrifice of Christ. That righteousness, in order to maintain it, you have to live out this book. Um, you may feel a certain way about it watching online or sitting here, but it's the truth. Glory to God. 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing causes them to stumble. What is he saying? If you are in love with this word, God will make your feet secure in a world where there is nothing but shifting sand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what the law of God does. That's what the precepts of God does. That's what his testimonies do. Hallelujah. Somebody say, we need the word of God. Hallelujah. As I was kind of reading 119, I started thinking to myself, it's very interesting. I started thinking about our church. I started thinking about all the people who have come through here through the years, right? I got here in 2004, which seems like forever ago. 
I was single, didn't have no kids, wasn't married. Hallelujah. I was slimmer than I am now. Had no gray hair. <laughs> Those were the days. Sorry, I got lost for a second. But I've seen a lot of people come and go. And not just in this church. This isn't actually my first church. I got saved back in 1995, right? So I, I was actually a member at a couple of churches. This is by far the longest one I've ever been at. Um, and there's a reason for that. I've seen so many people come and go. And there are so many different reasons that people give you for that, right? People come, they sit for a while, there are some things they like, there are some things they don't like, and then, you know, they kind of weigh it in the balances and they say, well, I'll find something else. And then they go, right? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes they give you the courtesy of saying, well, this is why, and you kind of blew it here in sayonara. And sometimes they just disappear off the face of the planet. Right, And, you know, if you're around, if you're in church for long enough, you see it happen. And usually if you're, a, if, if you're a student of people and human behavior, you can kind of figure out where people are and what happened and what went wrong and, and what went down. And, you know, you start to be able to identify trends, right? So, that, you know, people are looking for a lot of different things in churches, Right? Uh, some people will look for a church that has really lively and excellent worship, right? They'll come in, and they'll see a rocking band, and they'll see, like, lots of musicians and really talented and, uh, um, and um, you know, skilled musicians and really, you know, great singers who harmonize really well and never crack like little chickens, right? And they'll, they'll never hit a sour note, and they'll think, oh, this church has got it. This is where I want to be. Or they'll come in and, and, you know, the place will look a certain way and they'll say, wow, this is, this is really something beautiful. These people have really invested in their building. These, they have it all together, right? And they'll, they'll go to that church. Or they'll go to a church uh, because the pastor of the church will be like this notable public personality who has written books and, and is known all throughout New York City or all throughout the country. And because it has a famous pastor, they'll go to that church. Or... Some people, their only reason for going to a certain church is because there's parking. No joke. I'm telling you the truth. But it's, it's really sad. And I would even venture to say it's dysfunctional. I would even venture to say it's unchristian. What would Ezra and Daniel and the three Hebrew boys think about that? In our mindset, what are we thinking about when we're picking a church or when we're picking a place to invest our time? Right? Top of the list, does that church reverence, preach, and teach the living word of God? That ought to be where the mindset is. All too often, you find that it's not. I've heard people leaving the churches 
where pastors are excellent preachers and expositors of the word, right? And because the worship wasn't a certain way, because they didn't sound like who, Hezekiah Walker or uh, Hillsong Music, poof. Oh, what happened to Danny and whatever? Uh, those are made-up names. I'm not thinking about or talking about anybody. Oh, I heard they went to Hillsong. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's really something. That's Hillsong, why? Well, you know, they're, they're, they're a world-renowned musical force. Oh. wasn't about the sermons or their commitment to the Word of God. God have mercy on us. As Christians, we need to be desperate for the Word of God. Because that's the only tangible thing you truly have in this world that is completely anti-Christ. Right? Where we once lived in a nation where it considered itself a Christian nation and abided by the rules of God, it, it, you would find the Ten Commandments um, posted in the court systems and in the public places. Now they have all kinds of strange mess put up in the public squares around the country. There was one place, I can't remember the, the city, I think it was uh, somewhere in the south, they actually had a statue of um, the, the, the um, what is that creature? The uh, Baphomet, exactly. The Baphomet with, with two little children, like kindergarten age. In the, in the middle of the square, they, and this is something that they had put up. Instead of the word of God and the Ten Commandments, they're putting this garbage up. God have mercy. But this is where our nation is going. And if you don't read the book, you don't understand why it's happening. You don't understand where it's all going. Here's a common misconception. Listen to this, and I've heard it a thousand times, and I had this revelation in the last few weeks. People have said, I've heard people say, the church, it's failing. The church is failing the United States of America. We as the church are not doing our job because things are turning upside down so quickly, because the, the nation is turning uh, against God so quickly. I don't think that's true. That doesn't make sense when you read the book. The book says this is where it's going. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Tricks are for kids, silly rabbit. No, just joking. But if you read the book, open up the book, and you'll understand why it's happening. It's supposed to happen. We read tons of scripture on the last days, right? All, uh, uh, um, Paul runs down the list to Timothy, right? He talks about people who will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They hate their parents, all of this. The, the straight up list of wickedness. He says in the last days, this is what, what's going to happen. And then us of the church today says, we're not doing our job as a church. 
Aren't we in the last days? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like feel like we're ignoring the book. If we're in the church, that's a no-no. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Another problem is uh, I hear a lot of people saying you don't know who you are in God, right? A lot of the church, a lot of the church's problem, they don't understand who you are, right? Your value. And, your, and the power that you have, the authority that you have in the kingdom, that sounds great. I don't think that's the problem. I think part of the problem is we don't know who God is to us. Because the moment we figure out who he really is, that's when in our spirits and in our minds, something will click, Right? And those of us who struggle with certain things, we won't struggle anymore because we know who we serve. Hallelujah. It's all about relationship with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know, every time I got it, that's probably, that's probably why people aren't here tonight, right? We got a small crowd. I feel like every time I get up here, I beat folks up. How many times did Jesus speak syrupy, sweet words to people? Jesus was pretty intense. John the Baptist was even more intense. At least Jesus didn't smell like John the Baptist. (laughs) If you haven't read the book, read the Gospels, figure out where John, who John was and where he lived, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the truth is the truth, right? Part of the problem is the whole, and I'm going to say this, I may catch some backlash for it, but the seeker-sensitive movement, right? We want people to feel so comfortable. We want people to feel so welcome and so loved and so this and so that. And we want to accommodate people so much that sometimes we'll compromise our commitment to the Word of God and what it really says and the, and the demands that God really wants to place in our lives will compromise so that people will come in because we're worried about numbers. God have mercy on us. A few weeks ago, I said that the, the real signs and miracles and wonders are the people that stay in for the long haul. And the only way you can get people to stay in for the long haul is to get them hungry for the Word. And every time they step through that door, their spirit is fed. And the only time you can feel truly full as a spirit being is when the Word of God is given to you. In all its pure form, in all of its truth, regardless of what it says, give it to them. And that's all we're responsible for. Amen? In Paul's letter, when you get the chance, read Paul's letters to Timothy. Paul, uh, Timothy was um, sort of Paul's protege. He was a young man who Paul had trained up to be a pastor over some people. And you will not find where Paul encourages Timothy to make people feel comfortable. 
No. He says, preach the gospel. Preach the truth. Preach this, this message that I have imparted to you in season, out of season. Whether it's convenient or not, don't compromise it. Don't compromise it. And I think that's where we need to be at church. And the only way we can get people in this thing for the long haul is that they can stand on their own two feet in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is in them, a part of them, a part of their thinking. Hallelujah. Glory to God. As a church, our desire needs to be the same as the writer of Psalm 119. It's his word that will sustain us. It's his word that will heal us. It's his word that saves us. It's his word that gives us clear direction on who he is, what he wants, where we're going, why we're going there, how we're going to get there. It's this word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If we're ever sitting in a church and we're thinking to ourselves, eh, I don't like the bathrooms. Or I don't really like the worship team. This dude keeps cracking on that microphone. Maybe I should, maybe I should go somewhere else. Stop yourself and think to yourself, is the word of God truly being delivered in this building, in this church, in this body of believers, I should say. Is that something you should stick around for? Not every church has it. I'm going to tell you right now, I watch a lot of different preachers, right? Good, bad, and indifferent. And there's a lot of preachers preaching, not preaching from this book. A lot of them are strictly self-help gurus masquerading, disguising themselves as pastors. It's not this. You can't take a little of this and make a whole doctrine for something that you want to preach. No. You've got to take a whole lot of this and preach it in its pure form. Otherwise, it's not this. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Hallelujah. And if we're truly Christians... We can handle the truth. <laughs> right? We've got to love God's word. Because, because the second we open it, we see something that we don't like, we can reject God's word. But if we love it, we'll take it to heart. And, and for that moment, we'll be hurt, but we'll say, all right, God, this is what you want. This is what I'll do. And I'll be the better for it. Blessed is the man who walks in the way of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night. This is where it's at. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I just happened to have this book because I bought it as an extra that I thought I'd give it away, and I thought I might give it away as a, as a special treat for someone tonight. Anybody? Any takers? It's a New King James. Oh, you're raising your hand, but she got up. And she's got the matching glasses. I would keep it, but it's pink. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. This week, 
please spend some time reading Psalm 119. It's really beautiful, beautifully written. Um, I think I'm actually going to spend some time going through it with my kids, probably memorizing some parts of it. Maybe what we'll do is uh, I'll have them meditate on perhaps two verses, um, two verses every couple of days. And uh, actually maybe two verses a week. How many weeks? Yeah, we'll be able to go through it in half a year. Glory to God. Please stand. Master, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that it gives us. We thank you for the opportunity to learn it, to study it, because in doing so, we learn and study you. We figure out who you are through your word. What a blessing it is. Help us to cherish it and value, value it above all things, Lord God. Hallelujah. Father God, help us to make your word like the air that we breathe. Help us to prefer it above air and food even. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I pray that every time we open this book, that you would speak clearly to us, that you would illuminate our minds to not only understand it, but to memorize it and to use it, Lord God, to get closer to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We honor you tonight. We declare that you alone are God and that you alone are good. Tonight, I pray, Father God, that you would bless my brothers and sisters online. I know that sometimes when I speak, Lord God, I'm a little sharp, I'm a little curt. Father God, I sometimes slap people around in the spirit, but Lord God, I pray that that seed would grow. Hallelujah, because there is no substitute for truth. Glory to God. Nothing else will do the work except for your truth. Father God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts uh, for Sunday as we will receive yet another word, another installment from the book of Psalms. I pray, Father God, that you would also grant us traveling mercies. And in the precious and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Buenas noches, everybody.